This is going to be the most personal podcast I've put up. Uh, this one was recorded the day that my mom was basically told, you know, it's over. Or, I mean, they told us, I guess. And um, I had gone in to record something else with Stan, and we just started talking and then decided to start recording our conversation. So, um, this is just, I don't know, I thought maybe somehow this could be helpful to other people who are going through similar things at similar times just to hear uh, me I guess processing everything I was going through and then hearing Stan's wisdom in this time so uh, I'm gonna also I guess link uh, my, the time my mom was on and told her story I'll put that in below I'm still figuring out how to make that all link up well when I put some other link in the message so I hope this will be helpful to somebody I read to her today well yesterday when she went in I got there and you know, the, my mom or my sister and dad were there too, and I was like, I don't, you know, really want to pray and read the Bible to her when they're there, because I know not knowing what they think, I'm just feeling self-conscious about that, and I thought, well, I will if I don't get a time alone, and mm-hmm. eventually they stepped out of the room, so... I started reading to her and praying and I couldn't hold it together for that and my sister then came in too and then she got down beside me and kind of hugged me and I think was praying with me and I read her um I read her uh first James um because that's what her when her pastors came in they had read that and I, the bit about joy and I guess somehow she connected with that. So my dad asked if I could read that to her again. Mm-hmm. And then um, I read uh, a couple different verses that I just found in like a list of sort of brief passages. And then I just started reading big chunks at a time newer. So I read um, First Thessalonians 5 and then Revelation 21, 22. And I could barely make it through that. <laughs> yeah. um, 
you know, just, that's my favorite verse too. And so when it talks about God wiping away every tear and the old things will pass away and God will be with us and oh man uh, then I also thought I should read just some of the gospel so I read I did John 1 and then today uh, like I went back home at night to sleep and um, I I fell asleep sort of on the couch like you know sort of in and out and then you know at like one o'clock was like okay I gotta go lay down because I'm not really gonna sleep and then you know, then your mind starts going again, and I was awake for a bit, and then fell asleep, and woke up at 3.30, and just got upset again, and I was just praying, um, like, God heal her, God heal her, God heal her, and, uh, like, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us sinners, and at some point, I fell asleep, and then, you know, like I was crying and so I woke up and my eyes were glued shut in the morning and um the dog started going nuts I thought oh my dad came home because he said he was gonna come home in the morning because he slept in a bed in the polo couch beside her and so I thought okay I'll go up and then it was actually these guys coming to uh tear some old dead trees down and so I had to move the cars and the tractor so they could get in and uh but it was good because um my I like I was like out of it because I hadn't slept much and then because I got up I was awake for my dad calling and he said hey like mom's asking for you um she's like I think she wants you to come read and pray with her again so I got back over and I just thought I'll work my way through John with her. And so, you know, just a chapter at a time, because I, I have no idea what, when she's listening and not like she sounds like she's snoring at times, but she's not yeah. um, really. And she's <laughs> told her she's like Jesus. So the only way she can drink right now is, uh, um from a tiny sponge on a stick because mm -hmm. anything else she throws up because this blockage that she has uh like if she takes a drink it'll just immediately come back up and uh you guys just i'm sitting there and she's like the, the thing she does say the most is water like a glass of water and it's like, i can't give you a glass i can just dip this sponge in water and put it on your lips mm -hmm. And like you can sort of suck on it and um it's been real tough though what like it's honestly easier alone i think for me mm -hmm. like when we were 
you know, I was upset yesterday when I got the call that she was moving to hospice because I had hope that things were improving because there seemed to be some signs of that, like she had moved her feet and um, from, you know, she couldn't move after the stroke and she moved her feet and then it just spiraled out of control. And um, so, you know, I left work like in tears and, you know, felt embarrassed about that because... Uh, you know, I don't mind if some other staff saw me like that, but like the one staff I was leaving, I forgot my lunch. So I went back in and our staff was walking with a student, the student staring at me like, what, like, male teacher, like tears in his eyes. And then this other staff member is asking what, what's going on? She's grabbing me and holding on to me. And I like, if I say a word, I'm done, like, I'm going to lose it. And mm -hmm. so then, yeah, I did get an email later from another staff, like, what happened? Like, I'm like students are talking about you like you know it pat and i was like i don't know what's good for that kind of news about their teacher going through the school what the, it doesn't matter but you just wonder like okay so you got all your students talking about you that you're crying at work and i'm obviously they don't understand it because they're all i'll go i'll tell them what happened while i was away it's life yeah. and th they would understand it I mean, that's their greatest fear is losing a parent, right? When they're so reliant on them still, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, it just felt, it feels awkward. Anyway, that was tough. But then it's like, okay, I get in the car, I drive, I'm fine. Um, but I knew, like, once I got to my parents, I was like, my sister was there waiting or waiting to get the call to come in. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, as soon as I see her, then it's going to be hard again and then it's just like every time I talk about it then it's hard and there will be moments where it gets hard again but usually it's just by talking about it um like you know I just talked with work and I just lost it on the phone because I was like <laughs> you know, what goes on now? Like, yeah, you've got me booked off, but uh, I don't know this process. Mm -hmm. What's bereavement look like? And he told me, yeah, this much time off. And, um, I said, okay, but what if, you know, if she's still here, I know how many family care days I get off, which, which is what I'm off on right now. And I'm, I think I get, I'm after today, I'm out of them. I get two, I think a year. And so it's like, what happens then? Well, like, well, you know, what if she's still hanging on come Monday and Tuesday? And they're like, well, you know, don't worry about it. We'll put it in. And and I said, and then after, because I don't want to say, I don't want to talk. Like, it feels wrong, I guess, to talk about reality. It's like when mom passes when mom dies um i wanna hang on to hope and be like if she does and like if it goes this way but i mean i'm scared that we've screwed up because like her brain is still there in certain ways um like she'll make, you know, when we can 
understand her sometimes she'll make a joke or something and it's it's like okay what what if her brain's fine it's just the body's not working right right now and this actually could get turned around and we're killing her by bringing her here and she could have another year who knows how long i and i guess you know my dad's having the same issues um because he sees the brain at work and uh we're like but yeah i guess it really would be if we brought her to the hospital instead it's just like okay what they can do is prolong life that looks the way it does right now which is like borderline vegetable and is that really the right decision um because that might just prolong suffering for everyone involved and but i just like you know you just have this in the back of your mind but like oh well maybe she just needs to get the right help and that's all that's missing is they haven't done the right thing yet or whatever and um it's just even wild seeing like dad like this because he's i've never in my life seen him cry mm-hmm. and he called me on the phone or i called him after he texted saying it wasn't good that night call when i can and mm-hmm. he's crying on the phone like oh my gosh like this is mm-hmm. bad and um then just regularly at the hospital or at the hospice he's just broken down um i don't even know who i've said if i said this to you or someone else but like he's yeah it felt like in a movie where he's he's taking care of his keeps brushing her hair and putting on her skin cream because he's like i just he's crying he's like i just want you know if she comes out of this that she looks okay and um we had a real struggle today because the way they told us the visitors could come was there was four of us that are like the vips and we can come and go whenever we want Mm -hmm. and then there's eight other people that can be on a list Mm -hmm. and so dad said okay here's the eight people and he told them and scheduled when they can come and then the lady who was you know the gatekeeper today came like oh i just want to go over everything and so just so you know like you're only allowed four people a day and we're like yeah okay like yeah that's us four like no no like you're allowed four people in total a day so if my mom's brothers wanted to come they're two people that means me my sister or my sister's husband or my dad would have to choose to stay home the whole day and they would come for you know their hour or whatever and then the rest like we lose the other 23 hours and so my dad then had to write this email and he's just over the computer bawling his eyes out thinking he's failing mom because he's not he thinks she's not doing what she'd want but like because she wouldn't want this but we can't can't break these rules because we're not you know we have no power and he's got to tell everyone that oh okay yeah you'll never see her again <laughs> um 
I guess in some ways, I don't know what I'm supposed to think now, but they, she had been put at 20% PPS palliative or PSS of palliative performance scale PPS, I guess. And that's once she went, if she went to 10, then they would lift that. And then, cause you're just like, this is the end, really the end. And more people can come. And the doctor came a bit ago and said she could, uh, that she's at 10% now. So they're able to call my aunts and uncles and they're on their, they're there probably now. And, uh, um, I don't, I don't under, no, I understand bits and pieces or, you know, I have my own understanding of it, this, that I accept and then like at peace with, like, we live in a fallen world. This is never meant to happen. You know, if we looking, I guess, through a lens of, uh, that I would of Genesis, that you're not supposed to lose. You weren't, we were not made to lose our parents. It wasn't meant to go this way. And just like a million other things, this is just one of the consequences of being in this world and nothing has changed today or yesterday or before in what I was aware of that happens in this world. Um, yeah, my mom's dying and I mean, has been for years and thankful we got many more years than expected, but you know, like, I, I can't say why, God, why, because I, this, I already knew this happened with a million, billion other people through the present and the past. So, yeah, it's more personal now, but it's been, there's been little personal things, like, my cousin uh, passed away with, she was probably like 40 with two young kids a few years ago and it's like that's worse mm -hmm. and you know I just I knew that's what happens and this hurts more because it's a step closer than a cousin it's the person who's known me longer than anyone but um it's you know you always you know your whole life this happens and so yeah, I'm, I'm not like, why God is this happening? But I, I want more time. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, it's crazy. Like, <sighs> we always want more time. Like, I thought maybe we would have time to get ready because it's been so long. It's like, okay, so I, sh 
should have been somehow prepared over the last seven-ish years because it's been constantly looming over us. But it just went so fast here. Like, I thought it would be like, okay, it's happening. You've got this much life expectancy now. And mom would be verbal and we could like make peace or I don't know, uh, just prepare. And it's just like, oh no, she had these two strokes. I still thought this wasn't really the end. And then when it, things just went into that spiral and it's like, okay, all I can do is say my words to her. Um, and I don't know what to say. Like I said, thank you for everything. And yeah, she asked me if I thought she'd been a good mother and I said, yes. And I'm like, at least I got that, I guess. But it's like, yeah, not ready. I wish we had, I don't know how long, but long that we can, I guess, have talked and cry together. And, you know, she, before it got this bad, she had mentioned to my dad that she's like, was a, didn't understand why she hadn't cried yet. And I don't know if she had the liquid in her body to do it because she couldn't keep anything down. And it hurts to like all the things that I wanted and my fears like she'll never meet my wife mm -hmm. she'll never know my kids if any of that happens and i'm assuming it will but um that was my biggest fear like i hate that yeah, I can be, I'll be married. I'll say, oh, wow. My mom would have loved the gardens here. She loves gardens. And Lou would just be like, I bet she would have. Just take my word for it. Like, she wouldn't be able to say, and she wouldn't be able to say, she wouldn't be able to make the one, be the one to make that comment. She wouldn't be able to say, see something and say, Oh wow, your mom would have loved this and been been able to say that out of knowledge, not just he, from what she's heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad, I guess, that they got to meet through technology. Mm -hmm. But you know, my mom, the thing she's prayed for her whole life for my dad and you know my sister hasn't been at church and like she's not going to live to see that happen and 
I, I know like that's that's just how it is for many people, but I don't want to. I want my mom to get a win like in in this, like to you know to see the. I think that's maybe something that he she told me she doesn't want to go. I told her that if she needs to, she can, and which is hard because it's like I don't want to give her permission to go if there's any chance she could come back, even though, you know, she's at hospice and people don't come back from that, but miracles can happen, right? And Do you think it's been easier or harder because you've seen her come back from the edge so many times over the last seven years? I think it's been easier in each moment that something bad happens because there's been like okay she had the strokes I was worried but I thought okay like this isn't the end like she'll this is just another road bump speed bump and uh that I think made things easier for each time she was in the hospital so throughout the last however many years the ups and downs made I guess those downs easier when they came up for this moment I'm not I'm not sure just it's possible it made it harder because I almost felt blindsided by it because I just thought okay she's gonna she's gonna bounce back and then she didn't and it's kind of like it's kind of like jury duty you get so many deferrals and then eventually you run out of deferrals Mm -hmm. and God for whatever reasons has deferred and deferred and deferred but eventually you come to this point and I don't think it's any easier I it's with my grandmother who was 92. It still isn't enough time. Still isn't. Still wanted more time. And you know, that's been... So 93... It's 30-some years ago since I've seen my grandmother. And I still think about her every day. Still dream sometimes at night about her. That's part of that ripping that you talked about earlier. They were never meant to go through this ripping. Ourselves personally, when we die, the ripping from our body, we're not designed for that. That's why it's so painful and foreign and scary. But we also weren't designed to lose people close to us. Yeah. When you talk about your mom getting a win, what do you call all those times that God deferred? I meant though, like getting the like to see hopefully the results of all those years of prayer and hope, and to mm-hmm. see my dad come around. That's what Hebrews eleven's about. 
leaning over the portals of heaven, watching all of this play out. Excuse me. Um, you know, I, my dad sees these things, I believe, from the portals of heaven. Sees these grandsons he's never met. Grandchildren he's never met. He's like... <laughs> I don't know if it's where he got it from, but it makes me think of Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, you know, something like strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. And Obi-Wan Kenobi suddenly is a, able to help guide him. And I'm like, yeah, I know mom won't be there. And I mean, we don't need mom to be that because we've got the great high priest mm -hmm. who does this for us. But... But that doesn't mean that she doesn't pray from heaven yeah. and she's not cheering you on. That's that was the whole point that the writer Hebrews was saying is there's there's people in heaven cheering you on. Yeah. So you're not alone. She's not, yeah, and, and you can talk to Elise in such a way and describe her and tell her tell her the stories so that she gets a real sense of who your mom is you're the one who will keep her alive for your children and say you know you never met my mom but you know let me tell you about her let me share what she was you know what i as a dad i hope i got some of these things that i'll pass on to you i want to, I want to be like my mom was in this way yeah She's just made me think too, though, when you're talking about your grandma, I'm like, my grandma is still here. My mom's mom's still here. Mm -hmm. She's 100. She calls the house still to talk to mom. And like, what a. I think the idea right now is to lie to grandma mm -hmm. and not tell her. And that's what, mm -hmm. that's what her sons are saying. You know, let's not warrior about this and i don't know if, i guess i'm glad i don't have to make that decision mm -hmm. that's they it's their mom they get to choose but what do you uh, think about your your you know you really kind of defied in some ways what your dad wanted and by going and being there what would be better to not see your mom or to see your mom to not have those moments praying with her and reading to her yeah, so I guess it's not that he didn't want us to go, but he, he said he didn't know what would be best for us. And I think that's partly true. Like, everyone, I've heard this a million times with people struggling with their last memories of someone. It's like, you're, you know, do you, want, do you want your last memories to be when it, was like good the last time I spent with her and hung out and had a normal day or to see her like like she's turned into a baby really like mm -hmm. she can like it, the, her movements every it reminds me so much of like a newborn mm -hmm. and But what is it, what is more important, your last memories of her or her last memories of you? Her last memories of your dad with a 
playing with her hair and mm -hmm. comforting her. We live in a society that takes the easy way out all the time, Carrie, that yeah. denies death, that that wants to pretend it doesn't happen. And do you know how many families relegate someone to a hospice and never show up? They're not part of it. hundred years ago, this had been taking place in your dad's living room with your mom being at home. Yeah. Yeah, like, I always knew I'd go because I, I don't know, I just, I understood his intent. Um, but I, I think there was, there was some desire in me not to go because it is easier not being there. And it was just, well, I mean, whatever it is, I think in life, whatever is easier is always the wrong thing to do usually it seems like like even if the sometimes the thing that's easier is even actually technically more work like it's easier to put sugar in my body than to not put it in my body even mm -hmm. though putting it in my body requires work yeah. <laughs> but it, it's also the thing that's not as good for me and in this case um yeah, it would be easier for me, uh, like the, that temptation to just like, okay, when I'm not there, I feel like I have more hope. I feel like there's a chance things can turn around. Um, I don't realize how bad it is when I'm not there. <laughs> but I just knew that all the reasons were because I was scared and didn't want to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. and so i knew i had to go and mm -hmm. um you i have to spend that time with fit like even the day of when i talked to my sister and i said okay i'll go to the house and be with you i didn't want to do that either mm -hmm. because for me that's more uncomfortable like to sit at home alone the way I function, apparently, is that's easier for me. Mm -hmm. But it felt wrong to do that mm -hmm. because, and for all I know, maybe that would be easier for my sister too, but it's mm -hmm. not the way, I guess, society's raised me. Like, you, you know, we're kind of been conditioned that when this stuff happens, you come together as a family mm -hmm. and you be together. And mm -hmm. so... I was like, no, okay, again, like, I've got to go. And even if we don't talk, and, like, I worked most of the time. So mm -hmm. I worked to do a report cards due in two days. Mm -hmm. That doesn't stop because of this. And I'm the only person who can do that. I can't push that. You know, I could get an extension, but it's not like things are going to be any easier mm -hmm. in three days or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, after the getting the extra bit of time on the weekend. And mm -hmm. Um, but just being in the same room with my family mm -hmm. feels like it's the right thing to do. And, um, courage I, is like a muscle. Courage has to be exercised because there's only, there's only deeper water ahead. I mean, I wish I could say it any other way, but there is. 
Someday you will have to. Either you will hold Lou's hand or Lou will hold your hand. You might even have to hold the hand of a child. You yeah. begin with what's in front of you. You do what's in front of you. I think that's not just society, but I think that's the Holy Spirit. That's how God built relationships, and especially family relationships. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like I'm failing somebody. Like, I, I realize these are all not true mm -hmm. exactly. There might, I mean, I could always do things better. Whatever I'm doing now, there's always some way you could figure out to do it better. Mm -hmm. But I assume this is just the normal thing you go through of feeling useless because, you know, I, I'm waiting that's basically feel like okay i'm praying with mom and reading through mm -hmm. i'm putting the sponge in her mouth but it's like you know you just feel like if i'm not i guess like if i'm not bringing her back to life there's some way i could be doing something different that could do that and i don't know just your how your my brain's trying to deal with this mm -hmm. and you know it's like oh she's sitting here suffering she wants the sponge with water no she wants she asked for a glass of water but i can't give her the glass but like you know i'm disappointing her by only giving her the sponge and um yeah just feeling like i'm failing her or my family feeling like i'm disappointing them you're there with the sponge yeah like you're there with the sponge. But it still not. feels that way. And i that's what I mean. Like, I know, what else am I going to do? Right? Yeah. But it's just, Many I think people this... would not be there. Many people pay to have somebody there, and so they don't have to do that and see that. And that's where you're reaching down in, and you walk in obedience, the whole one of the main tenets of scripture is caring for your family. They're shining lights out on us. They must not know we're here. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you, you, you would feel even that way, even if you didn't. It's almost obligatory that you pray for an extension. Because mm -hmm. if not, like what, well, what kind of person would you be if you didn't pray for an extension? So, the world pushes you in two ways. Either pray for an extension or beg God to extend her life or take matters into your own hands and end her life so that she's out of pain. And both take the purview from God as being the one who measures time and life and says, this is it, all things being equal and in my plan, this is the time. This is the time. And that's something that I never would have. Okay, so I've always, for the last, well, not always, for the last however many years and getting to know myself and the world more, realized in a lot of ways I can't 
judge people for the sins they commit in the sense that like I can't look at that and say I would never do that um I've realized that a lot of the things there's a lot of things I've done in my life that I said I would never do there's a whole lot of stuff that like yeah I'm I'm no not proud of it I really wish never happened in my life and I'm disgusted with myself over it. and um, there's you know but always the certain things that even if you can recognize that in yourself a lot of times I think people say I would never do that though there's that one thing I would never commit and it's just and I thought well you just haven't been tempted in the right way yet and you can open the doors more and more to temptation so you know i'm pretty because of the life i've lived so far i'm pretty certain that i won't just randomly go and murder someone on the street like all these school shooters something like that. pretty sure that's never gonna happen um i don't know what goes on in everyone's life but i imagine the people who end up doing horrific things have opened more and more doors so that something like that isn't the decision that it would be for you or I to when they commit that sin. Mm-hmm. But seeing mom there in the state, a few times I thought, I un- I get why people put the pillow on someone mm-hmm. or they, you know, you pull the plug or whatever because oh my gosh, like, would this just be a mercy for her? And then, like, I'm just upset. As I was thinking about this before I said, I'm like, that would be me murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. Something I would, you know, want, version of me years ago would said I could never do. And I could never even be tempted to do. And here it was me in a situation with the person closest to me mm-hmm. thinking, oh, maybe that would be the right thing to do <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's you know it's just you realize like wow there is temptation that can show up in your life that is not some not what you would ever think it was i guess i think the best we get to is being able to say my desire is I would never get to the place to do that. That's mm-hmm. my desire. That's my my hope. But you're right. I mean, it gives a, I find it gives me compassion. Mm-hmm. It gives me compassion for people who do things that you you just like. How could you do that? Well, okay, I can I can see how a person could slide into those those believe those things. Mm-hmm. You have had a good relationship with your mom. You're on good footing. It's much harder for my grandfather, who I didn't know. I don't. I, I still don't know, but I doubt I would ever will ever see him again. That was a harder parting. This is the hope that talks about in First Thessalonians or First Corinthians 15. We've got that. We've got that hope that that others don't have. Second Thessalonians talks about about this grief, you know, that 
give grief. Honest to God, great. Got wrenching. Feels like you swallow a football in your throat kind of grief. That's all right. But it's not overwhelming grief. It's not a grief of, I'll never, ever see this person again. We are, we, 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 we will never talk, never hug, never. That's, a, to me, that's a really hard grief. That's extremely hard. But you have opportunity to be with your mom. You have opportunity to minister to your dad. You have opportunity to pray and read to your mom, to demonstrate in front of him what this is all about and why this changes you and changes your mom. That's why I thought it was really important that you do that. And, and I know as a parent, some, there's, there's not always altruism. We don't want to see our kids face it, but we also don't want our kids to see us fall apart. Mm -hmm. We don't want our kids to have to go through that because there, there's, there's, there's two deaths that you're observing. You're observing the, the death of the body of your mom, not of her. The death of her body, but you're also seeing the death of the marriage where where now your dad is going to be alone. And you're watching that. It's, it's, that's grief in and of itself. As my dad's entire life for seven years, basically, now has been her primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I think I'll move home and live with him because at least for some, I, I don't know how he can manage the property on his own. Um, just being alone in a, too big a house alone. Well, I'd be careful about those decisions now. Mm -hmm. um, being your father's rescuer is not always the best thing for him. Okay. And it may not be the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. And Lou, and you want to do, you want to do, because, I mean, your dad is not, it's really hard to say this at this point, I know it's raw, but your dad's not your primary concern, here's your mom right now, you're heading towards marriage with this woman, this woman's your primary concern, you have family, so, do you, do you, is your dad to a point where he can't care for himself, is your dad to a point where he can't, build another life maybe maybe not what if the very thing you do by rescuing him actually keeps him from from a healthy grieving and recovering mm. so i mean that's not in in the emotions you're in and the emotions he's in it's probably not the wisest time to make that decision when i was just thinking how again in the past you take your parents in with you when they can't manage mm -hmm. when they can't manage so my dad's health isn't great and i mean i guess a lot of the work around the house i don't need i can come on the weekends and cut the grass or whatever you know it doesn't need to be you can hire yeah it's not like he's not a man with resources or he may 
game, that may even press him to downsize. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may press him to move into something to whether it's a condo or or something that would be more suitable for him. Staying in that in that house, banging around, stewing in the loss of your mom. Is that the best thing mm-hmm. for him? Are the two of you banging around in that house, stewing over the loss of your mom? It may not be good for either one. Mm-hmm. But he's he's in in some ways, if you come and rescue him, and you be a. Um, Gonna be parasitic. There's another word for it. Um, it's a codependent yeah. relationship. You could be setting up a codependency either between both of you. You both of you kind of hang on to each other, mm-hmm. and and over time, you begin to resent each other. That's very a real possibility. Mm. So keeping your life, and also what does that telegraph to Lou? What, what's her future look like? Yeah, so you need to care for your dad, because that telegraphs to Lou that you're, you're a family man. I mean, that might even be a good thing, that if she does get here, that she can stay and help out at the house there. And mm-hmm. I mean, that was sort of the plan, at least for a certain amount of time, but... Mm-hmm really work on when I'm at work getting that relationship good mm-hmm. you don't want to lose neither would your mom want you to lose steam moving towards marriage and she yeah my so Lou called and prayed with for my mom and talked to her and my dad was so happy for that and he was saying like you know, he's like, I almost cried when you said she was calling because we've never seen you so happy before. And mom just wants more than anything. Like her, her biggest worry was that you wouldn't find somebody and now wants you guys to get married and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I get she gets to go with, with that peace of mind that in that way, like. But also you got to if. if got to keep Hebrews 11 in mind. Mm-hmm. She'll see that wedding. It's not like she's not going to see that. She doesn't, I think, though, she doesn't know that. Like, she has faith of that, but she doesn't know. But then you're the one left with the faith. She will know. Mm-hmm. But right now, in this moment, in this moment, she might, you know, she, in this moment, she's worried. If she would be fine to go. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, whatever. Like, I'm not going to care in one minute. Yeah. Right? But, like, because the we have that doubt still that, you know, maybe things won't go well after I'm gone and whatever. So in this moment, she still has those worries. And just nice for, I guess, to but, think. But back to God's sovereignty. Is God in control? Will God look after your son? Does God love your son more than you do? Can you have the faith that if you go, he is in good hands and you will have a front row seat to 
what's happening in his life. See, I think, like, that's a theological thing, like, discussion, but it isn't and doesn't gel with what emotions you're dealing with, no. right? That has, and that's what I was saying, Sunday, that track, was it Sunday or was it for me at that meeting, I think. You have to have that track laid down beforehand. You can't mm -hmm. build that track in the middle of grief. It's kind of like, I guess in the middle of grief, it's kind of like, I hope this is what happens and I hope I can get to the place where I, where this is firm in my heart. Because if you've laid the track down beforehand and it's solid track, it, that, that doesn't shift. You go through these things and you're already prepared for that. Again, that's why I think we, we, we screw up as a church because every seven years, statistically, we're going to lose someone close to us. Mm -hmm. And and we are, you know, Lori and I are in the, I mean, she started losing parents at 12. That's when she lost her dad. I lost, you know, my dad at, at 50-ish. No, no, it's before 50. It's before that. But, you know, I'm about to lose my mom. Lori's mom will be in the next few years. Lori's lost a sister. Right now, Mark is on life support in university. Her brother is on life support. They are um, I'm probably 99.9% .9 sure he's gone in the next month or two. So the people around, we're always losing people close to us. And it's how, how, what's our mindset? How, how are we preparing ourselves for that? You've had a long time to prepare for this. You've had seven years. And most people don't get that kind of time. Some do, some do but not many. Mm -hmm. That's why I think, you know, in some ways, you, you, you become used to God stepping in. And I, I remember that with my grandparents. I'm so used to God stepping in and prolonging another year, another two years before the next major thing, that eventually when you're at that back of that door and you go like, there is really no return from this. Um, I've been thinking a lot about my mom lately and how I've always assumed she'll be there. She's always been there praying for the family, consistent, faithful um, I suppose it even allowed me to be ticked with her at times because I knew she loved me no matter what even though I was ticked with her but that's coming to a close I mean my mom's skin and bones she probably weighs 110 pounds at this point you know, a year ago she was complaining she put on too much weight she was like 140. She never weighed that in her life. And she was like, just, you know. I, I used to say to her, Mom, you need to stop talking like that because those of us who are really fat, it really annoys us. Because <laughs> you're not. Yeah. You're not. But I see the clock ticking down. And it could be, you know, weeks or it could be a couple of months, but. Part of me's been there with you, like, you know, Lord, could she just fall asleep in her bed and die in her sleep tonight? Save her this morphine and this pain and 
in the confusion, knowing that she's not sharp anymore, knowing that mm -hmm. she's getting more and more confused. And I, well, I'm not just praying that because I don't want to go through watching this. Just praying. It makes you doubt your motives. Yeah. And, and if you're like me and you're super analytical in that and you're always analyzing your motives and what is causing you to think this way. Hmm. But how do you how do you bless your mom in these days? You, you, you stay present. You don't not grieve. Um, no, probably writhing in pain in front of her with the grief is not helpful. Yeah. But tears. She knows you love her, that she knows that you're grieving that, that, that gap that's beginning. That distance that's starting to come in already. And that demonstrates love. It demonstrates your, your love as a son to her. Your love on your dad. Because along with her, like she, she's going to be thinking, like, you know, what's going to happen to her? Mm -hmm. She's been there to care for him. She's been there to spiritually influence him. And yeah, it's kind of like, Mom, I've got this. I've got this, Mom. Influencing your sister. Um, really taking a mantle from you, Mom. All the things, Mom, that you concern you, they concern you. All the things, Mom, that you try to do, I, I, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. and um yeah how much are you talking with Lou about these things yeah like as they come up she wants to know everything mm -hmm. and she's better with care I guess than I am like She's got the woman's touch. <laughs> like, uh, she's saying, like, these are the things you need to say to your mom. Mm -hmm. um, and telling me the things to say to try and, like, give her peace about, you know, when you go, yeah, God's going to be faithful. And <laughs> uh, he's going to take care of me and my sister and my dad and and she's just always praying with me and looking after me and it's too bad that we can't be in the same place right now mm -hmm. um i like she's so much more yeah emotional than me um like in, in general i yeah. mean in general right so like I'm amazed like she's just crying with me and I'm like how you've never met my mom but like she cares so much right and empathy you know and she's just she's just able to be there for us 
Well, allow her to do that for you. Yeah. Don't and and don't bottle up. That's why I thought it was important for us to talk. Mm -hmm. It's more important than news. The mm -hmm. podcast. And it's good to have your thoughts down. Go back and think about later. Yeah. And that that can inform that can inform you as well. Mm hmm. But um. Yeah, I don't know if there's more to say right now. Yeah. Sometimes it's like puking. You just need to get it out of your system. Yeah. I call it, I call it emotional puking. And I think there's times we need that. And actually, that's something, though, that's come up. And I've talked with Lou about is that I don't know what to say. And it feels... Like, I can't talk about n normal things uh, right now. So mm -hmm. it feels bad to just only reach out to her when there's some news about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'll apologize to her. And, you know, she obviously is just like, don't apologize. <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not asking about your day. and or Like, I will. Mm -hmm. But it's so disingenuous like words like for me it like you know i'm i mean i'm it's not in the sense that like no i do care about you and how your day is but it my heart isn't it, like i'm doing it just out of the like an act of caring and not because i'm feeling emotionally in a like how was your day going i hope you're having a good day um it's just like I want to show you that I care still. And so I'm asking this question and, but like, it just, you know, it just feels like anything right now. That's not about my mom. I just don't have much feeling about. Mm -hmm. And so any sort of conversation that isn't about, it's just, it's hard to have conversation, I guess, because it just, mm -hmm. it feels like I can't talk about anything. Um, and then it feels wrong in some way like again like that like I'm failing in some way like I'm not doing or saying the things I should be but I don't know what I mean what it should be uh yeah so I guess that's just been interesting to be you know, I've been there with other people where you say, I don't know what to say because this bad thing has happened and I'm here for you, but you're like, I have no words. And it's like, well, I'm on the other side of that and I still don't have any words. Mm -hmm. um, and even, but yeah, I actually, like, I feel like the, the time is that I would have the most to say. I mean, I've said a lot now, but um it's like if I went and talked with someone who had no idea what was going on, I could then get, I could have a normal conversation. Mm -hmm. But as soon as, if someone knows, then I'm like tunnel vision. And it's like, yeah, yeah right. It's like all I can do is talk about this. And, and to even if there was something else I wanted to talk about, maybe that's mm -hmm. what it is. There might be other things I want to talk about or would be interested in, but it feels wrong. And mm -hmm. I don't actually believe it is, but I just no. have that, like, feeling about it. What comes from 
not wanting to betray the relationship or betray the importance of the relationship. So if I talk about something trivial, Mm -hmm. it's almost like I'm not valuing you the way that I should be valuing you because and this is where we we start these these mind games if if you were important to me I would be distraught to the point where I wouldn't know so like you you set the straw man up about what what being faithful and problem is is we're we're cut we're like a pie cut into all these pieces Mm -hmm. and yes in the realm of mothers and and dealing with mothers, your mother is the most important person in your life. Louisa is, as a woman, you're going to marry and be the mother of your children. She's extremely important. So we have to, I mean, so much of marriage, Carrie, there's a lot of times you don't feel like the thing that you know you need to do. We, we think we know how we should react or behave but you're going to find there's a lot there's a lot of time there may be times you really you don't love your children you may not like your child this is a lot of life so part of loving Lou right now means you, you may not have your full heart into it that's understandable loving Lou and resting in her doesn't mean you don't love your mom mm-hmm the first time you find yourself genuinely laughing after your mom passes away is a mixed emotion. I can tell you that from experience. It's almost you feel you're betraying that person and the grief over them because you laughed, because you enjoyed. Or the day that you really think, you know, I haven't thought about losing my mom for two months. Mm-hmm. What kind of a son am I? You're going to deal with that stuff. That's going to come your way. But it doesn't mean that you don't love her. It doesn't mean that you were a bad, bad son. It doesn't mean that somehow you're betraying her. That's your mind and your body. So your body and your mind will betray you. Mm-hmm. And you have to be careful about that. Because you can get sucked into that, believing the wrong thing about yourself. Because you've you've been you've you've been drawn into that. So just be careful of that. Yeah. You almost like it, it, it would not surprise me if at some point afterwards, it's like the thought hits you: I don't deserve to feel this happy. Mm-hmm. My dad's not happy. My dad lost my mom. How can I? fall into the arms of this woman and have this enjoyment and pleasure and and have this kind of, like how can I do that when my dad is so like just be ready for some strange things to enter your brain Carrie mm-hmm. and, and, and be willing to talk to people don't bottle them up just talk them through mm-hmm. and uh, it's not that they go away but their power lessens the more you talk about the power over you, power over your thinking, and the power over your responses mm-hmm. lessens the more you talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Father, I just thank you for Carrie. I thank you for my friend. 
man, uh, him and I started out not too long before his mom learned about this whole part of her life. It's been a long journey. So many twists and turns and thinking it was over and then finding reprieve. It's almost like it was easy to believe it was never going to happen. That the day would never come when you allowed this end to actually come into existence. And so I don't know how he's doing with this. But I know that you love him and we love Linda. We love Gary. You love his sister and uh, your children. And this family's grief is not alien to you. It's not unknown. And so I pray for my friend, Father, that you would find and you would find ways to touch his heart and comfort it. You'd find ways to use this to draw him and his dad even closer. That even through this, his dad would hear the gospel message and grasp it. Pray for his sister as well. The opportunity that she was with him to hear him praying for their mom, reading scripture to their mom. That touch her heart, Father, would that just stir in her memories of things that she's heard as a young girl. Thank you for Linda's life. Thank you. The joy it was to sit here not that long ago and have a conversation about life and what going through this kind of scenario is all about and how it affects what thank you for her testimony thank you for all the things the choices that she's made that has moved her ahead in the kingdom through the kingdom and father i pray for her spirit right now that she would find confidence in you Father, your Holy Spirit minister to her, bringing hope that you are there, hope that you will see her through this. Father, if there is a way to deaden the pain and the trauma of this, we would pray that you would open those doors. And Father, um, even in the flesh, we would we kind of pray two ways. We pray for healing and Father. Something in me tells me that healing isn't the only answer in life. There's those who believe that and almost even demand miraculous intervention. But your word says there's a weight upon the Lord. You will renew their strength, lift them up on wings as eagles. So, Father, we would rest in your provision in this moment. 
whatever you believe is good for Linda, we would trust that you are good and faithful and that your mercy is sufficient. Pray for Carrie and his emotions. And uh, we've had a lot of talks about those. Some things touch him, other things don't touch him. I would just pray that you would uh, help him walk through that. Help him to um, grieve in a way that uh, is beneficial to both the body and soul. And yet would he not grieve in a way that would bring destruction? Would he not be consumed by his grief? I pray that uh, Lou would be there for him. Help him to turn to her. Help him to be honest with her and to share. And would he re help him to rest in her arms and in her love. Father, about all the things that may or may not be missed, I pray that uh, both Carrie and Gary and Lou would uh, come to rest on that you are sufficient in everything. It's just hard to do. Sometimes it's even hard to imagine a life without the person that we love so much. So I put him in your hands. Give him grace as he continues to pray and read and minister to his mom. Would he find strength when he thinks he's at the end of it? Would he find courage and strength that goes beyond all understanding? Prepare him for the day, for the hour when this eternal transaction finally takes place and Linda rests in you not passing away but translated into new life with you watching from heaven and cheering on those who are left here us to live in those moments. So I pray this for you. Pray.